Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with our subject of man. We're so glad you could join us today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we welcome you all. We will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from pages 332 and 229 of the Blue Book, Divinity Course in General Collectania. Okay. There is but one infinity, and that includes all. The action, force, and power of truth is self-evident, self-sustaining. Nothing can interfere with it. It is perfection and life. Infinity includes only man that is well, that is perfect and harmonious. The law of God includes a law that annuls every false claim, and we know it and must use it. Mental activity must be tranquil, not lazy. It must express force, be exact and it must know the reality of man's oneness with God and the utter unreality of evil in all its forms of belief. You are the child of the loving God, surrounded and protected by infinite love. There is no hatred or evil to frighten you. You have no disease. You have nothing to fear. You are not in danger, you are entirely well and continually held in the presence of God. Abide in love. Nothing can touch or harm you in love. Know that you live in love. Love is God as life itself. Take this understanding with you and bless others with love. Mary Baker Eddy. Very beautiful. Thank you. All right, Karen, our watching point. Watch number 432. Watch that you perceive that animal magnetism cannot claim to prey on a student unless he is harboring a sense of self, self-satisfaction, self-praise, self-condemnation, self-love, self-will, self-justification, self-pity, self-righteousness, self-aggrandizement. The selfless thought alone is immune. If animal magnetism claims to creep in through the door of self-esteem, for for instance, it would be foolish to strive to cast out the animal magnetism while at the same time retaining the self-esteem. Self seems to be a cat with nine lives, as outlined above. But when we see this animal nature as never man, never us, since God created us perfect, then the cat and all its nine faces is disposed of. Thank you. Okay, comments on that. Well, I'm learning how to, um, uh, uh, something recently happened and I, and um, the first thing that came to me was I was a little pride. I was feeling something like that, you know, and then, but I very quickly realized that that's not what I needed to deal with. It's the pride that came up in my thinking. I thought, okay, that I need to forget the other. I need to handle the pride. That's. That's what I need to do, and I was very quick um, to to uncover what was in my thinking and realize that that's what I needed to handle, and and I just dismissed it, knowing that I just couldn't, like I said, if God's perfect man can't have a thought like pride or any of these self. So that's been helpful for me. Thank you very much. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Um, I was thinking about that idea of self-esteem. And, you know, of all the selves, it's like 
you know, you're, you kind of fault people like, oh, that person has low self-esteem as if that's a bad thing. So it got me thinking more about this idea of self-esteem and like that it's one of those sneaky ones where you think you're supposed to have some self-esteem, but you know, Jesus talks about the eye going to the father. And I've, I've read different articles about kind of what that means. And, you know, it's like, yeah, there is no eye. There's, you know, I reflect God. So the only esteem I need to have is esteem for God. Thank you. I have my own self and do nothing. Go ahead, Florence. Well, the only self that I feel we ought to adhere to or desire to have is the Christ self. It's a self that reflects God. And that's all. All these others, no. (laughs) Thank you. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you. Jeremy? I was just thinking there's a quote from C.S. Lewis about being unselfish and he says something like unselfishness is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less yeah and, and i quite like that that and is I know, beautiful that's a good quote. <laughs> yeah and i know that um you know jesus he, he got baptized he saw the spirit descend and then he had the temptations right afterwards and that's just a, a good warning for everyone that you feel on the verge of getting puffed up, you better be wary. (laughs) Very much so. Yeah, what is it Mrs. Eddy says about self-depreciation is the meanest kind of pride. Mm. Mm -hmm. Any any self-thought, and and she also, you all know, in science and health, it's the adamant of error. It's what blocks healing. And especially when you are have been in science a long time you're seeking you're seeking christian science help or healing and you refuse to get rid of these self things what's going to happen it's not going to get very far <laughs> no no delay you're healing mm-hmm. yep yep delay your healing you're blocking the healing in and, fact you're likely to get zinged for it <laughs> and you might feel worse <laughs> It's God's two by four. (laughs) Whether you like it or not, this is line upon line, precept upon precept. You cannot take shortcuts in this. And I know I didn't like it. I wanted shortcuts. I wanted healing. You know, I forget trying to be better. (laughs) Heck with that. I need this healing now. I've got to do something tomorrow. And I, you know, I need to be well. And, And now I can see it in the practice. And hey, hey, you know, it doesn't work that way. You don't come to the throne of grace demanding. Well, Christian science isn't magic. We're supposed to understand it. If you don't understand it, but somehow it works, then it would be magic. But that's not the way it is. It is not. It is not. And and as you as you advance, more is required of you, not less. Go ahead, Florence. No, I think we've all had quick healings, too. So there comes a time where you have to get rid of certain things. That's why the delay. And we must be willing to do what it takes to get there. Yes. Yes. I was very grateful for the watch this week because it kept before my thought to pay attention. And I caught myself several times with cells and I was able to really smash it down, realizing it was not a friend. Thank you. Definitely not a friend. Any of this self is not a friend. So, Excuse me, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, Elizabeth, this is Edith from Maryland. Would you please tell me what the watching number is again for that beautiful watch? 432. Thank you so much. And those are the watching points by our dear, dear Gilbert Carpenter. Um, There are a few things I want to mention before we get into the lesson. There's so much to discuss today. Um, But one, one, thank you all. Many of you were minute men and women. You sent money for the Pakistan fund, um, which I think we should close now. Um, We will now, I want everyone please to be praying 
our, our treasurer, Bruce, knows how to get this money, and he does know how, know how to get this money to Napoleon, and that it gets to the right people that need this. It's very important, all right? And it gets to the right people that need it. And thank you all. You are so generous and so quick to give. And we are very, very grateful for that. Thank you very, very much. And then next, um, Tony. I think most of you know Tony has this website, whoismarybakereddy.com. There is a link to it on our on our website under the Mary Baker Eddy section. We might have another put another link. Florence suggested that's probably a good idea. It's a very um, beautiful website about Mrs. Eddie. He's done some beautiful testimonies of her healing work, lesser known, and we all should be supporting that by, you know, looking at, looking at it and, and also just supporting it generally and knowing that those who need to have a right concept of Mrs. Eddie will find it. Um, he also has made a bookmark, a very beautiful bookmark, which is has a picture of, it's a stained glass window of the woman in the apocalypse. And on the bookmark, it has Mary Baker Eddy, woman crowned, woman God crowned. And then who is marybakereddy.com and on the back side, plainfieldcs.com, independent Christian science, and then our church phone number. And it's done in a very beautiful kind of a stunning purpley blue. Anyway, um, we are putting, we are putting them now in books. When people send order a book, Benjamin will put a bookmark in the book, but we're thinking of other ways more to distribute this bookmark and I'm thinking perhaps I've been praying about it maybe those of you who contribute uh, have been generous con contributors to our church we would send you like 20 or 25 of them and that would be for you to use and also for you to give to your friends relatives I mean they're beautiful as I say who doesn't love a bookmark so in that way it can circulate this website to more people so get it to the people who really need it. Yeah, the people who really need it who might not know much about science or maybe who have heard negative things about Mrs. Eddy. So Tony, did you want to say anything about it? Is he there? I'm here. Yeah, no, I I think you you just covered it. I mean it's kind of like a literature distribution sort of. You know, you can leave them leave them in places for people to find too. Yeah. We used to do that with our, our healing thoughts. We'd leave them in airports or uh, various places. And we also, we once had a bookmark. I still have a pile of them. They were pink <laughs> and they had our name of our church and they had our services on it. And that was the reason to do it. It's a, a form of, uh, yeah, getting the, the word out. Evangelism. Yeah, and it's just a quiet, beautiful way without this marketing stuff. But just, uh, and they are very beautiful bookmarks. So if any of you, you know, want to say, "Oh yeah, I really want some," or could you send fifty? I think um, Tony said he would get a. We're going to publish more, have a lot, so we'll have plenty to send. So I think people should be able to also uh, request if they want to truly. Uh, distribute them. Maybe their their uh, offering or contribution might not be much, but it's from the heart. So anybody who wants to truly let Mary Baker Eddie be known, I think they might should be able to request them. Most absolutely. Anyone who wants it, of course, can request them. Yeah. No, just send an email to the clerk uh, if you really, you know, if you want us. A pile of them. So, so thank you and thank you to Tony. He, he, I feel, and I know he did. He put his heart in into this, and that is the greatest attraction of all. That that love for Mrs. Eddie, love, 
is the greatest attraction there could be. And this is going out, out on the clouds or whatever, I don't know how to say, but just out there. And it is, it will neutralize all the negative things said about Mrs. Eddy, whether anyone sees it or not, it is doing this, but we need to know it and do this work for it. That's the work I do for our website as well. And know that those who really need it will find it. And God chooses those, uh, the ones that are ready and right for it. And that's why we have such a a wonderful congregation of of sincere seekers for truth, uh, not just voyeurs, so to speak. All right, and something else that is very important that uh, Tony found. Um, it's in the Recollections of Mary Baker Eddy by James Gilman. And the first part of it, the introduction, is written by Dear Gilbert Carpenter, who has so much to say about so many things. And I read this years ago. I have not read it recently, but what he found was wonderful. Um, And the first, you know, last week we talked about the greater works. And it was brought out that Martha Wilcox, and it's actually, uh, Carrie found it, and it's on our website, Martha Wilcox Millennium, The Greater Works. <laughs> and, and what does Martha Wilcox say The Greater Works is? Preventative. Uh, preventing things happening. Preventing things happening. All right. So, Dear Carpenter goes into this in greater detail. And I, mm-hmm. I'll read some of it. I can't read all of it because it's too long. But all of you should have this book. and read It is on the website, too. The book's on the website. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Mrs. Eddy talks a lot about human harmony. What is that? It's not what we're supposed to desire. (laughs) Human (laughs) harmony is not not desirable. No, it's not when things go so well that it puts you to sleep. Mm -hmm. And you're satisfied with the materialism around you. Yeah. You see, and, and in science, especially so many people, we've talked about this too, they get what they have prayed for. You know, they get the health, the wealth, the big house, this, the that, or whatever they thought they wanted. And then they just dream on. That's not the goal of science. What is the goal of science? Healing of sin. You know you're spiritual and not material, that there is no... There is no matter you know, to, to, to know we're spiritual. So the human really doesn't have anything to do with that. Who He who knows he's spiritual it doesn't really have any desire to do anything or know anything but that which is spiritual. Yes, it, it, is, it is a spiritualization of thought. And yes, healing the sins of the world. All right. And in this... Uh, introduction by Carpenter, he goes into how Mrs. Eddy saw that human harmony is one of the big sins because human harmony puts you to sleep and eventually you will have trouble. And this, you know, I, 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 sometimes I didn't understand what Mrs. Evans was doing because she was always after this and rebuking things. You'd wonder what the heck was wrong with that? (laughs) Well, she was sensing the human harmony, which was going to lead to a problem. And she was trying to circumvent it. And it is exactly what Mrs. Eddy did. And it is what is needed now for us to do the greater works. Believe me, I get no great pleasure in having to rebuke, but at times I have to. So, Carpenter, if a sense of human harmony is the flower of which human discord is the fruit, Mrs. Eddy might well be called a healer of human harmony in her latter experience. The master declared, and greater works than these shall ye do, because I go unto my father. It is plain that the healing of human harmony is a greater work than the healing of human discord. Since one likes to be healed of the latter, but often rebels against being healed of the former, and must be vigorously aroused to see such a necessity. The master was healing the fruit of sin, 
namely suffering and discord, when he performed his miracles, at the same time declaring that the healing of the flower of sin, or its so-called ease and pleasure, was a greater work that would come in the fullness of time. This may explain why at a certain point Mrs. Eddy relinquished the healing of disease and inserted a notice in Science and Health to the effect that the author took no patience and declined medical consultation. She knew that God had called upon her to do the greater works. What is called the therapeutic or curative work in Christian science is a very great attainment and proof of the power of God. But the prophylactic or preventative is certainly a greater work. It is in this latter work that gentle methods will not avail and sharp rebukes are needed since one is called upon to shake students and stir them, arouse them from this mental drunkenness. This spell cast upon them by animal magnetism when they would much prefer to drowse. It is like a man ready to drop in a blinding blizzard because he feels a strange sense of war warmth stealing over him. His friend, knowing that such a yielding will spell death, imitates a wolf cry. The man, preferring to struggle on rather than to be torn to pieces, makes an extreme effort and reaches the safety of his cabin. Often it would seem as if the cry of animal magnetism Mrs. Eddy put forth was designed to save students from the toils of the adversary in just this way. The most important lesson Mrs. Eddy sought to teach her students was to differentiate, differentiate, <laughs> whatever, between human and divine good. She would often break up a sense of human harmony in no uncertain way, knowing that the students were deceived into thinking it was divine harmony. She knew it was a peace, peace when there was no peace. Like the eye of a hurricane where it is so calm that one can light a candle out of doors. There is nothing desirable about such a condition to the one who perceives what it really is. This lesson concerning human harmony was an advanced one for all who are ready for it. No student of the present who desires to demonstrate his own pleasant view, as Mrs. Eddy did hers, can do so until he has grown to make the separation between what animal magnetism offers as a substitute for divine harmony and divine harmony itself. So how about that? <laughs> so important. And you see, this teaching was suppressed by the organization. I certainly never heard of it. And because of that, we have governments and other things where people are sound asleep in their human harmony and trying to do human good when it's not good. In fact, it's bad because there's nothing good about anything human. This is a deeper teachings and a deeper understanding. And when you understand it, you will see the world so much more clearly. You will also be able to, to discern the thoughts and the intents of men. Not because you're seeking to, but because you just can't help it. And and I do know, I have a good sense of where everyone is and what, what they're doing, what they're willing to do. Um, I, I know it takes courage sometimes to call a practitioner because you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but, you, but those who do are willing to grow. And, and then there are those who prefer to just stand back. And, hey, that's okay, too, because... Lord knows, Florence and I have plenty of work. Right, Florence? Absolutely. This kind of, yeah. This kind of brings to mind how uh, Jesus told his disciples how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It kind of explains why it is so difficult, right? Because people who get who become rich it's a very strong temptation to worship the wealth itself instead of God. To become satisfied with the wealth itself instead of totally satisfied with God, the source of it. It, you know, it's a real challenge. 
for most people. We all must have in our hearts, the, you know, that, that of the fishermen in, in Christ Jesus' day who are ready to drop everything and come. And I have seen people who have come and so desperate, so desperate for healing um, and said, you know, they would sleep. They would sleep in our Sunday school room. <laughs> they would do anything just to stay here and be part of things. And then as everything gets better, well, then we don't hear from them much anymore. So, and, and, as, and as a shepherd, and it truly is a shepherd if you're in the practice, you see all this going on and you do what you can to do the preventative work. But then ultimately it is up to, up to the individual. But don't lose that, that desire, that fire that brought you here. Your first love. Your first love. All the teachings of the seven churches in Revelation. All those teachings, I have seen it, and it's it's not pretty what happens. It's one thing if you don't know better, but when you do know better and still decide to drift or get comfortable in matter, then, then it would seem, and it's not God that does it, but it'll be your own disobedience and lack of gratitude that you'll seem to have some troubles that could have been avoided. All right. I just wanted to say, if we pay attention to the watches, that'll keep us awake. You know, just just three times a week. Yeah. And then the services. You're talking awake about awake. the Unity watches. Oh, yeah, the Unity watches and your personal one. Yes. That's why Mrs. Eddie insisted that we continue to do watches. Another Another thing that was hidden, suppressed by the organization. This is why we do these things. It's not just, you know, well, you know, because it's a good thing. No, there's deeper meaning and purpose to all that we do. And a lot of it is to keep you moving and to keep you awake. And when you find you're reading the lesson, it's just ho-hum, or you're doing the watches and it's ho-hum, that's when you rouse yourself. Rouse yourself. That song, rouse ye, rouse ye, face the foe. The wolf howl. The wolf howl. <laughs> yep. Don't drop where you are. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot going on in this world right now. This work is required of us that we not be made to forget or neglect our duty to God, our leader, and to mankind. We cannot afford to sleep on. God forbid we do. Not humdrum, dear ones. It is repeating and defeating, <laughs> repeating and defeating. This is Eddie. Thank you. And the Bible says we will not fail nor be discouraged till we, I, I think that's what it says. Yes, until we do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's a glorious work. I know years ago when I'd get the thought, oh, I don't want to call a practitioner today and try to find an excuse why not to call. That was the day I really needed to call. Yeah, it's like a you know just the opposition because you're going to get the blessing. Plus, you you got to know other people are feeling that way too, so it would be best to turn around and and pray for that yep. thought to be gone. <laughs> well, and that's the same thought when you don't want to give a testimony and other things. You're getting complacent. You're just getting complacent, and it's you're you're drifting. So rouse yourself. If you don't have if you don't have a testimony once a week, something you are grateful for, well, what the heck's the matter? You are drifting, my friend. You are. Uh-huh. And whether you give it or not is not the point. <laughs> the point is you come with one, you're on fire with one, and you're truly grateful in your heart for all God is doing. Otherwise, you're doing yang, 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 yang. You're <laughs> drifting, drifting, yang, 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 and not grateful. And um, not seeing all the good that's around you. Again, it's not necessary. If we had everyone give up, we would be there till, you know, there till midnight. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we'd still be there probably. So, so no, but come on fire with one. And there is an additional layer of good for actually, you know, thinking it out and putting that testimony together. You always uncover things that you didn't uncover to begin with. So, you know, it's. It's not just busy work. 
not no no and you're seeing all every day all day all the wonderful things god is doing for you making note that's why i suggest writing gratitude having a gratitude book keep alert keep the fire going um this having the blahs if you're in the blahs whose fault is it you it is and you can't blame your circumstances because your circumstances are reflecting what? You. <laughs> you, yes. Yeah, you're not a victim of circumstance like the Stooges. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, and then this is some one other thing that Tony found also in this introductory of Recollections of Mary Baker Eddy by Carpenter, the introduction. The writer, meaning Carpenter, believes that Calvin Fry was Mrs. Eddy's most valuable helper in her hour of need. In his diary under the date February 27, 1901, he records, quote, Mrs. Eddy said at supper at supper table today, if I do not live to see this lawsuit of Woodbury's finished, I can say this. Calvin has helped me to live many years, end quote. His value did not lie in the fact that he possessed a greater spiritual understanding than other students, but because he did not seem to be frightened when he saw Mrs. Eddy going through what might mean the end of her earthly experience. He kept a calm and a hopeful thought that was of, men, of, a, of immense help to Mrs. Eddy at such times. When she went down, she went below Mr. Fry's spiritual level and often he was able to aid her in resurrecting her thought. When her thought was resurrected, she went so far above him that he could by no means follow her. However, he kept at an even balance so that he did not go very far up nor very far down. In this way, he was able to minister to our leader when she needed him. Students of the future should not forget to be grateful to the one whom Mrs. Eddy, to the one whom Mrs. Eddy wrote to the Christian Science Board of Directors on August 30th, 1903, as follows, quote, He has done more practical work in my behalf to aid our cause than any other student. He should be acknowledged in this line of action for the entire field. I have given him a token of gratitude and suggests that the executive members of our church notice this anniversary of one of its oldest actors and faithful laborers in the vineyard of our Lord, end quote. Students of the future. That's us. So, Tony, what did you say about this? It's Calvin Friday. <laughs> hopefully it'll fall on a friday on one of these august 30th but we just had it that was last wednesday and lenny quipped we should have a calvin friday yes well so it's a, we're gonna commemorate and remember on august 30 yes so no wonder wasn't it mrs wasn't it calvin yeah well, it's calvin Friday that mrs eddie had to Raised from the dead twice. Yeah, I actually think um, Martin. Yeah, I yeah, think twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also his room. If you've ever, it's very oh, something to see. Mrs. Eddy's room in Chestnut Hill, and how Calvin Fry's room was right mm -hmm. nearby, also in Pleasant View. They said there was a carpet that was worn out from him sitting up at night praying and working. Yeah, it was um, worn where his feet would stay. Yes. He was getting. He got criticism too, which which Carpenter combated, um, because after Mrs. Eddy passed on, he took a trip around the world. But Carpenter said he had been under such intense uh, pressure. Yeah, for so many years. Well, what he had left there was not too great either, because they were changing the manual and oh my gosh, a big cabal. So it was a what big was cabal. he gonna do? You know. That's very true. He had sort of fulfilled his destiny in caring for Mrs. Eddy, and now it was up to others. Now, there's many, many things in this lesson, too, that we haven't even touched on. Um, and many beautiful articles that I was sent by Carrie 
and one that I think was very important, um, and, and all of you can read and study this, it's the Reverend Kratzer article called The Consciousness That Heals. It is in um, Dominion Within, yeah. and he took those articles in that book are very, very precious. He took things and kind of delved into them. And because he did that and wrote this book and circulated among his students, he was excommunicated. Just a, just a side note in case it's ever asked, <laughs> ever asked on Jeopardy or anything. <laughs> better to be to his credit. Yeah, absolutely. How dare he help people? Yeah. Well, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it before we get into some other things because it, it was hugely important. The consciousness that heals, he's taking this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And also what's in our lesson this week, blessed is the man that walketh, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So in this article, he says that it has to have, we have to have this healing consciousness. And the duty set before us is to make head against this current, never to drift with it a moment when we can avoid it. And that's the current of mortal mind. We see it all around us don't we so you have to have a can't go along with it one problem is to gain gradually and as rapidly as possible the ability to keep habitually our thoughts on the plane of spiritual discernment this we shall accomplish by distinctly and purposely lifting our thoughts moment by moment away from the presentations of the bodily senses and by fixing them on god and on the nature of his spiritual creation. It goes on, but then a most important point. It says, this consciousness must not merely be intellectual. It must be transfused with love. The love of God, the love of his whole creation, as being spiritual and good, and therefore lovable. So, it's a good one to think about and to study and when we end today, we're going to end on another beautiful article called Meditation, um, which is also, right, the, the meditating day and night. This is really what he's saying. And this is, again, what keeps us alert and wake, awake and working. And if we meditate day and night on the laws of, of God, we will keep this consciousness because otherwise you're mesmerized by, well, we're in for another nameless nothing, guys. Everybody get your masks out, and then and this, and the fall flu season, and this and that, and blah, 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 blah. And we go, we give the Indian war cry right back, <laughs> stronger and louder. <laughs> it's not happening, okay? We're not doing this anymore. Enough is enough. Enough, all right, already. And we turn to the Father and stand strong, and we can do this. Why not? Do the greater works. The greater works preventative. Thank you very much. All right. So, Nancy, you sent me something lovely. I wrote about uh, the citation that I love um, as uh, in Science and Health on page 361. As a drop of water is one with the ocean and a ray of light one with the sun, even so God and man, Father and Son, are one in being. The scriptures read, for in him we live and move and have our being. I looked up in Webster's 1828, one, single by union, undivided, the same, in one united body. I found uh, in Clear Correct Teachings, uh, Eustace tells us that the best infinite illustration to express the relationship of man to God is the relationship between the ray and the sun because these can never be separated. The sun manifests itself as ray, not rays, never separable from the sun, 
as the origin of life. And I loved uh, Matthew Henry's commentary, that in him we live and move and have our being. We have a necessary and constant dependence upon his providence, as the streams have upon the spring and the beams upon the sun. In him we live, that is, the continuance of our lives is owing to him and the constant influence of his providence. He is our life and the length of our days. In him we move. It is by the uninterrupted concourse of his providence that our souls move in their outgoings and operations, that our thoughts run to and fro about a thousand subjects, and our affections run out toward their proper objects. It is likewise by him that our souls move our bodies. We cannot stir a hand or foot or a tongue, but by him, who as he is the first cause, so he is the first mover. In him we have our being. Not only from him we had it at first, but in him we have it still. To his continued care and goodness we owe it. Not only that we have a being, and are not sunk into non-entity, but that we have our being, have this being, were and still are of such a noble rank of being, capable of knowing and enjoying, and I inserted loving, God. It's very beautiful. It is man, right? Yes. What we are, what we are, in him we live, our life, Dependent on him. We move. You know, a lot of people complain about moving, movements. It's all in God. How can it be inharmonious or painful or whatever? And then having our being in him. It's very beautiful. Thank you very much, Nancy. You're welcome. And along with that, um, Carrie sent. I thought this was such a beautiful poem. It's called Self by James Foster in 1901 journal. O God, my Father, Mother all, O love responsive to my call, teach me that I may clearly see myself as selfless, Lord, in Thee. A ray of light its course to run, to tell the world of Thee its sun, a note of music true and sweet, of Thy great harmony complete. A breath of fragrance from the flower, a sense of coolness from the shower, a drop of water from the sea, a message to the world from thee. It's very beautiful. And shouldn't that's what we should be. You know, a message to the world that God is, that God exists. Is it in your face, in your smile? Is it in your movement, in your voice? Does everyone know more of God just for your being on earth? It should be in every part of you. Man is reflection. And remember each day that the life that you live may be the only sermon that some people ever hear. Yeah, I just quoted that to someone. <laughs> That's it, you know, and, and these people, especially now when they're getting all this adverse stuff about Christianity, you've got to prove them wrong. And I do, do know someone who said this recently that, you know, very much a, I guess in a way, an atheist and everything, but she says she can't help but notice it's all the Christians that are happy and joyful <laughs> and, and have a positive outlook on life and don't think the world's going to collapse and global warming is going to kill us all. It's the Christians. I mean, she's noticed that. <laughs> so good. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. All right, Shardy. You're oh, about uh, which one? Uh, there were a few of them. That, that song of... Uh, is 37. Yes. I thought you'd speak to that because it's like a recipe. It is. And, uh, but I noticed, I, I, I was so enthralled with it that I read the whole thing and that I <laughs> saw that word I like, that meekness, 
and uh, it was also in our August sixth lesson. And I and I come. I used to think that weakness was weakness. Not anymore. Uh-uh. It is not the the strength of the Christ. So that got. I love that that song that you you. Yes. Yeah. I'll give. I'll, I'll give that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And meekness. The definition of it is humility, and also submission to the divine will. Now that is not weak. When you submit, as Jesus did to the cross, that is not weakness. Submission to the divine will is meekness. Nothing weak about that. And yes, in that lesson this week, I gave it to many people, the list of things. We're to trust in the Lord. We're to do good. We're to delight ourselves in the Lord. We're to commit our way to the Lord. We are to rest in the Lord. And we're to wait patiently for him. It is a good recipe, a good rule for life. And then it tells you all these things will happen when you do that. You'll dwell in the land. You'll be fed. Those of you who who don't seem to have supply, are you trusting and doing good? If you're delighting in the Lord, that means you just love him. You want to spend time thinking about him, reading about him, knowing him. You just love him. He will give you the desires of your heart. If any of you are a parent and you have a child that just, wow, loves to be with you and just isn't wonderful, you do want to do everything you can for that child. Of course you would. Commit your way unto him. Is your way truly committed unto him? And he will bring it to pass, whatever whatever's needed, not wanted, but needed. And then resting in the Lord. Yeah, after you've done all this, it's time to have a rest and wait patiently. I'm telling you, um, this impatience has done a lot of damage in many cases. Wait, it'll work out. Let things play out. All right, and then just briefly, Sharon, because that was a very important point, too. Um, Heredity is not a war. Heredity is the passing on of physical or mental characteristics generically from one generation to another. And that was just from a regular dictionary. And then just read that one from McKinsey. Christian science enables us to eliminate from our lives whatever is not found in the pure original, the perfect reflection of God. Whatever is born in sin and shapen in iniquity can be separated from the thought and life of any man who acknowledges God as his father. To this man, you cannot argue that he must indulge cruelty because his great-grandfather was brutal. He must be a drunkard because his grandfather was must endure some disease because his father had it. He counts himself immune from these inheritances of the flesh because he recognizes God as his father. End quote. Thank you. Mackenzie, William Mackenzie, Escaped Escape from the Supposed Law of Heredity by William Mackenzie. As a Christian scientist, dear God, You had better know that God is your father and you are exempt from any of this stuff that because a relative or an ancestor or somebody had something, therefore you have to. Please, it's nothing to do with Christian science. This is what happens when people drift and let these thoughts just take them over rather than rising in rebellion against them. Most, most important. All right, we're going to end with something beautiful here. This is uh, from an article entitled Meditation by Edward O. Augie, I guess. He writes, As thought is changed for the better, and the manifestations of love, humility, and gratitude present themselves to the right thinker, he may declare with the psalmist, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. In Science and Health, with Key to the Scriptures, page 261, Mrs. Eddy says, Hold thought steadfastly to the enduring, the good, and the true, and you will bring these into your experience proportionably to their occupancy of your thoughts. The sick man is sick 
because he meditates on sickness and clings to matter for his relief. The debtor remains in debt because he meditates day and night on lack and limitation, which self-mesmerism is holding before his eyes as real. No mortal illusions such as mesmerism, sin, sickness, or limitation can ever deceive the man who meditates upon God's law continually, for they are to him as fleeting shadows that will be entirely dispersed just as soon as the light of truth is given a chance to shine fairly upon them, that their nothingness may be revealed. When love rules every thought and divine intelligence directs every move, there can be no failure in any honest undertaking, nor can there be any manifestations of evil, such as sin, disease, or death, which when given half a chance, will slip upon the unguarded thought. The man meditating constantly on false law wonders why he is sick, why his business is a failure, and why discordant conditions are surrounding him, while he sees his neighbor happy, healthy, prospering, and finding success wherever he goes. When a man's meditation enables him to understand how to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, he has risen above the testimony of false law and is able to face adverse conditions without fear. He knows and demonstrates his safety when in battle or on the firing line. He feels the perfect assurance that no plague shall come nigh his dwelling, and in times of contagion, he is not afraid to do his good Christian work in any emergency, knowing that there can be no bad results. Paul gives the rule for the overcoming of all mortal discordant conditions. Finally, brethren, he says in his letter to the Philippians, quote, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. End quote. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. 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 Thank you.